Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Brokenness to Faith podcast. My name is Noah, and I will be your host for today's episode. Um, Marky could not be here today. He has some things come up earlier before we were set to record, um, so unfortunately, he can't be here for today's episode. Uh, however, uh, we'll still have a, a good time and have a good discussion today. And I encourage you for next upload in two weeks, uh, we're going to have a guest for our episode. Um, assuming that everything goes okay and nothing changes, we will have a guest for the next episode. So I encourage you to uh, be be ready for that. Make sure you uh, mark it in your calendar. Whatever you got to do, make sure you don't forget. I'm not going to say who the guest is. I'm going to keep it a surprise. But it'll be good and, and I'm sure you will enjoy hearing it, hearing a voice other than me and Mark's for a change. Um, should be nice. So be looking out for that. Real quick, a few points of business before I hop into the discussion for today. Uh, as always, uh, we say this every time, you can, if you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email. It's brokennesstofaith at gmail.com. Um, if you have any, any ideas at all that you would like us to talk about, uh, something we haven't done before, feel free to send us an email. Um, if there's a topic that you want us to revisit, you think maybe we didn't do a good job or, or you have something you want us to add to it, send us an email. If you have any complaints, any, anything you want to say to us about the podcast, suggestions, complaints, questions, you can send us an email. Maybe you just want to tell us how much you hate the podcast and you're never going to listen again. That's fine. We want to hear it. So please send us emails. Um, if you happen to have an Instagram, you can follow us, brokenness underscore two underscore faith. I know every single time we upload, Mark says, we're going we're gonna to update the Instagram, we're going to start posting stuff, and we still haven't done that yet. But I encourage you to follow us anyways if you have an Instagram, because if we do have any announcements or anything important that we want you to hear, Instagram will be one of the places we go to. So I encourage you to at least follow us there for the future if we ever do start uploading or have something we want to say. We want to make sure that you guys are you know hearing those updates whatever so you can follow us there second thing i want to say real quick just because um i know that we're here at least here in california we're kind of in a second wave of quarantine here um, things are starting to close down a little bit more things are getting a little bit tighter and you know some of us are still at home and still haven't gone back to work some of us are now going back home and back out of work and as it currently stands, we're not going to go back to our episode every single week like we were doing. But if you're listening to this, I encourage you to, if you have time and you're looking for stuff to listen to, you can go to our church's website, Valley Christian Assembly, um, or actually I think it's vcachurch.com, or you can go to our YouTube page, which is Valley Christian Assembly, and we post videos every single day. We have weekend sermons. Um, there's stuff there beyond just our podcast that you can listen to and watch if you're looking for some stuff to kind of fill your time in terms of devotion and whatnot. Also, um, we were not asked to mention this, but a member of our church, uh, the assistant pastor, Pastor Matthew Bradshude, uh, Mark's older brother, started his own podcast called uh, We Carry the Fire. And I haven't heard it yet. It just came out like today. Uh, it's on Spotify, and I believe at the time of recording this, it's on Spotify, but I know it'll be on iTunes and Google Play later. Um, so that's another podcast you can listen to. 
Um, if you like what me and Mark do, you'll probably like what he does. It's a little bit different, but kind of in the same vein. So there's that as well. So my point being is that there's still tons of content that at least we're putting out that you can listen to and have throughout the week if you're still at home, if you're still out of work. And obviously there's other groups, people, and churches putting stuff out all the time. But I just want to encourage you in this period of time where we have a lot of, of extra time to use and we have, you know, maybe we're getting a little bit bored. There's stuff that you can be listening to, stuff you can be digesting that is good for us. So I encourage you to just kind of be looking to see what's out there. Um, and, and yes, I just want to say that. So now that we got the business out of the way, let's get into the meat and potatoes of what I want to talk about today. So a few weeks back, I was reading through 1 John chapter 5. And there's a particular verse, two verses specific, that caught my attention. And the reason that these verses stuck out to me was because immediately after reading them, I thought, this doesn't make any sense. Because this seems to contradict another verse in the Bible. And what I want to do today is I'll read the verse in a moment. And I want to look at this verse in one try to understand what it means and maybe why it isn't contradicting this earlier verse, but also understand why this verse matters today. Once I get that out of the way, I want to talk about why this matters and, and pull some application out of, out of this verse. So the verse in question is 1 John chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will for him give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. Now, you're probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking. Wait a minute. In, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So on one hand, you got Paul who says the wages of sin is death. And then on the other hand, you got John who says some sin is not unto death. So what's going on here? And that's the same question I had when I read this verse was, what's going on here? Is there a contradiction here? Is one of them right, one of them wrong, but that can't be true because it's the Word of God. And I was confused trying to figure out what this meant. And so I thought about it for a little while, did a little bit of, of reading around, and I think I've come to a satisfying conclusion as to what John is talking about. So the idea being here, right, is that John is not saying that some sin is not paid for in death, as Paul says, instead of what John is saying, and it's very confusing the way he says it, but basically there's, there's two types of people, right? You have your believers and you have your unbelievers. Now, if you have a believer and an unbeliever and they both commit a sin, both of their wages is death, right? Both of those sins will lead to death. But there's one key difference. The believer is covered by the blood of Jesus, the non-believer is not. 
And because of that, the believer, that wage of death has been paid for. The non-believer has not. And that being said, because the wage of sin, which is death, has been paid for for the believer, therefore speaking, his sin is not unto death. His sin, even though it's there, does not lead to death because that death has been paid for by Jesus Christ. And instead, that believer will go on into eternal life despite that sin, right? Assuming that he seeks forgiveness for it and, and you know, continues to walk in Jesus thereafter. Whereas the unbeliever, he's got no payment for the wages. It's going to be death. He can't pay for it. And he's not covered by Jesus who paid for it. So that sin will lead into death. And it, it seems like an easy answer for this conundrum of, of the contradictions. And it kind of is, but the main thing that sticks out to me now is what does this mean for us, right? Because once I came to that conclusion that, okay, what, what John is saying is that there isn't some sin that isn't paid for in death. The point is, is that if you're a believer, your sin is not unto death because your sin is forgiven. Your sin no longer has the power over you. Therefore, it is not unto death. That makes sense. But here's the point where now this verse is no longer a contradiction, but it now becomes a very, very important lesson for us as Christians. And the application from this is far greater than understanding the contradiction here, in my opinion. And, and here's why. Because John says in verse 16, He shall ask, and God will for him give life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin lead to death. I do not say that he should make requests for this. Basically, in, in different words, John is saying, Pray, you know, ask God to give life to the man who's committed a sin that is not to death, but don't worry about praying for the one who whose sin is is unto death, whose sin is unto death. And this, once I got through the first contradiction, this brought up a whole nother problem. Like, wait a minute, John is now telling me that don't worry about praying for the guy who whose sin is unto death, but pray for the guy whose sin is not unto death. And and now this brings up a second question. What does that mean? <laughs> All right, why should we not pray for the guy whose sin is unto death? Here's the here's the point in this. And, and, and this is where I'll spend the rest of my time on. The reason John is speaking like this is because... Take the, the, the non-believer, right, whose sin will lead to death, whether it's immediately or eternal death. No amount of, of praying for, for God to, to forgive this man's sin will matter if this man never seeks God for that forgiveness, right? The point being is that this man, this unbeliever, must first come to God before his sin can be 
forgiven. So if there's somebody who is not a believer, yes, we should be praying that God will will forgive them of their sins and, and that God can, more importantly, break them out of their sins. But before God can do that, before God can change their lives, that person must first be a believer. And, and, and the idea here is that we need to pray for that person's salvation first, not a breakthrough of their sin or whatever. That will come with it. And I think sometimes as Christians, we get too focused on praying that this person gets delivered from their bondage, delivered from whatever, which is all good and well, but we can't forget as well to pray for that person to first become saved. And more importantly, we can't forget to actually reach out and talk to that person as well. You know, because yes, God is the one who saves the person, but more often than not, God will use somebody to reach that goal. And you could very well be the person that God wants to use to save somebody else, but you might be too busy praying that God will give them a breakthrough, which again is good. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but that needs to be done in conjunction with actually reaching them and praying for their salvation as well. And on the other side of the coin, John says to pray for those who sin does not lead to death. Why does John make it a point to say we should pray for them? It's because those people he's talking about are fellow Christians, right? Christians are the ones whose sin does not lead to death because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. And so our sin is already paid for. However, just because the sin is paid for does not mean that that sin still can't affect us, you know, the it, it, I mean, I hopefully don't have to explain that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you can go and get drunk every single night and not suffer any liver damage or broken relationships or whatever. You know, you can't sleep around whatever you want and be free of STDs and pregnancies and whatever. You know, sin will still have an effect on you, even if it's forgiven. And more importantly, this is a conversation for another day, but unforgiven sin that exists for too long could even separate you from God. And, and a, a conversation that at some point me, Mark, should do is whether or not you can lose your salvation. Because last I checked, me and Mark have differing opinions and, and whatnot, and we could go on for hours talking about that. So maybe one day we'll get back to that. But the point is, is that sin in a Christian's life can be just as destructive as sin in a non-believer's life. Because the point being is that the, the non-believer, they're already heading towards death regardless of whether they sin once or they sin every single day, right? They're heading there anyways. No amount of sin is going to change that course. But for the believer, the believer is now on the path of life. Their sin is not unto death, but... Too much sin could change that. Too much sin could change somebody else coming to Christ who sees that and sees that sin in them, right? Too much sin maybe won't pull them away from God, but could pull them away from God's plan for the life and the ministry that God has set up for them. And so 
you know, as John says, all righteous, all unrighteousness is sin. Right? Everything is bad. It doesn't matter what the sin is. It, it's gonna. It's still sin. But after he says that, he says, and there is a sin not leading to death. So I guess if I had to pick a sentence to sum this up, is that all sin is sin in the eyes of God. And so this brings me back to the idea of what John is trying to say here. Yes, we need to focus on the salvation of non-believers, but we shouldn't focus on their deliverance from sin before they get salvation first. And on the other hand, there's Christians who are struggling with sin, and that sin is going to have a far greater impact in their lives and their ability to fulfill the plan God has for them than somebody who's already a non-believer and is already on that path. And like I said, I'm not going to talk too much about the idea of losing salvation, but just because regardless of whether your salvation can be lost or not, sin can still interfere with your ability to be the Christian that God wants you to be. And that's why John says, pray for the one whose sin is not leading to death. Those are the ones that we should be asking God to give them life, to to free them from those sins. But for the unbeliever, they're going to sin no matter what. They're not going to feel guilty about it. They're not going to seek forgiveness for it. They're going to keep sinning, and that sin is going to lead to death regardless of how big or small it is. And we should be focusing instead on getting those people into church. And then we can focus on them fixing their life and getting over that sin. But for the believer who already is saved and is already covered by the blood of God, they should be free from that sin. If you're a attendee of VCA, then you have been listening to the recent sermons, the, the series that we've been doing here. Um, if you are not an attendee, I encourage you to listen. Um, basically, our pastors are doing a series based off a book called The Normal Christian Life. And the idea of the book is that, although that sounds boring, the normal Christian life is one of great victory and power and, and breakthroughs and freedom from sin. And so a Christian that is struggling with sin, especially sin that is not leading to death, that's a Christian who's already on the path of eternal life, and yet they're struggling with sin. That is not a normal Christian life. That is not the life that God wants us to be living, right? They're struggling with sin that they don't even need to be struggling, that doesn't even have power over them. You know, we need to be praying and and trying to help those Christians our brothers and sisters who need that help. And for the, the non-believers, yes, we need to, we want to see breakthroughs in their life, of course. But first and foremost, we need to be praying for their salvation. Because, you know, like I said, their sin is unto death no matter what. And unless we get them off that path and into the, the kingdom of God, then it won't matter. That sin will lead them to death. Another way of saying it is basically they have no chance unless they get saved. So it doesn't matter what happens. They could be, they could be broken out of their bondage of alcoholism, sex addiction, uh, whatever it is. doesn't matter if they're not saved and they're still going to hell anyways. But for the believer, we don't want to see a, a, 
a Christian's life wasted by constant sin. But my point being in all this is that both people matter, obviously, right? The believer matters, the non-believer matters. Both are important. The point being is that we need to reconsider how we address these two different people, right? How we, we choose to pray about them and how we address their situations. Because both need attention. Both need our support, need our help, and, and need our intervention, if you will. But it's important how we choose to address both of these groups. For the, for the non-believer, we need to focus on their salvation first and foremost. And there might be more that you can do or should be doing. Maybe you're already doing everything you can. But we need to focus on their salvation first. And then their sins will come second to that. Because if we focus too much on trying to fix their sinful lives before they get saved, one, you'll never be able to do it, and two, you could potentially be keeping them further from, from coming to God if they're trying to fix their own life. right? If you're given an impossible task that can never be finished, well then you'll never get to the second task, which is coming to church. So we need to make sure that we're not focusing on their sins that are going to lead to death anyways, and instead focus on getting them on the right path, and then we can deal with their sins now that that sin is not leading to death and can actually be dealt with. And then for those who are believers, we need to be dealing with their sin and speaking to ourselves as well as believers, right? We should not be living lives of sin. And by that, I mean... Obviously, we're still humans. We will sin on occasion, but we should not be bounded by it. We should not be captivated by it and, and constantly falling into it time and time again. We should be free of it. We should be breaking out of that. And if you're not in that situation, we should be helping those who are. I'm, I'm going to give my closing thoughts before I start saying the same things over and over again. Here's the, the, the breakdown of, of what I'm trying to say. I'm going to speak to, to three categories of people here. We'll say it four. Four categories of people. And you will fall into one of these four people. So I'm going to address each of these four groups with my final application. First group of people. If you're listening to this and you are not a believer, first thing first, you need to be saved. Simple as that. You know, how do you do that? A good place to start is going to church, um, but you could do it from your home. It's simple as praying and asking God to come into your life. Say, hey, I, I believe that you, God, that you, Jesus Christ, you came to this earth, died on the cross, rose three days later, and you have forgiven me of my sins. You have washed me clean in your blood, and I accept that. And, and anything along those lines. That's the first step that you should be doing if you want to be saved and no longer have sin that will lead to death. The second people I want to speak to are Christians who have the opportunity to reach to unbelievers or who know somebody who is not a believer. And yes, we want to see these people free of their bondages and free of their sin and living the life that God has for them. But first and foremost, they need to be believers before they can see breakthroughs. Now that breakthrough might come the moment 
they get dipped into the water for baptism. The moment they accept Jesus Christ, they could have freedom. You know, it could happen. Sometimes it doesn't. But the point is, is that it always comes after the belief comes, after they accept Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you, as you maybe pray for breakthroughs in their life from sin, also be praying for the salvation. I, I assume that if you're already doing, if you're already praying for an unbeliever, you're probably already praying praying for the salvation. So I, I assume that this doesn't apply to too many people. But we need to make sure that that is the priority, is their salvation, and then their freedom from sin will come after that. And be sure that you are doing everything you can to to help that person get into church and get saved. Do everything you can. Because you never know when God might want to use you or open up a door for you to say something or speak something or whatever. So be prepared to, for God to use you and be praying for the salvation first and foremost. Third group of people I want to speak to are believers who are struggling with sin consistently. And if that's you, then yes, you need to seek forgiveness but forgiveness doesn't matter if you're going to fall right back to that sin again tomorrow. And so what I would encourage you to do is find some brothers and sisters that you are comfortable talking to. Uh, maybe it's a pastor or somebody in your church who's above you. Whoever it is, find somebody or some people that you can be honest with, that you can confide in, that you can talk to. Because you won't be able to overcome this crippling sin if you don't allow others to help you through it. I mean, that's part of the reason that we struggle with these types of constant sins is because we're trying to fight them under our own power. So we need others to help us, and more importantly, we need God's help to break through that. And finally, I want to speak to the Christians who are in control of their spiritual life, if you will, right? Obviously, as I said, we all sin, but you're in control of it. You, you don't have any major struggles. You, you don't have any major pitfalls. You need to be the ones that are leading these efforts, right? As the Christians who are living that normal Christian life, who are experiencing the power of God, who are seeing breakthroughs, who have experienced victory in your own life, you need to be the ones that are praying for your fellow Christians to be free of their sin and free of their bondages. Even uh, James says the, the prayers of the righteous avail much. Right? The, the prayers of the righteous achieve many things. If you're one of those righteous, you need to be leading the charge to break your fellow Christians out of bondage and to see unbelievers come to Christ. You need to be the ones that are that are making those moves. Don't be afraid to go to somebody in the church and say, hey, is there something you're struggling with? Is there something you need help with? Is there something I can pray for you with? You know, don't be afraid to go up to somebody who isn't a believer and say, hey, can I ask you about your faith? Or would you be willing to come to church? Whatever it is. But if 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 those who are, I'll, I'll say, in control, or have their life under control, rather, 
if we're not taking the steps to help those who are struggling, they, they might never break free of that. And so I encourage you to step up and, and you know, allow God to use you as needed. So to wrap up, the, the idea of what I'm trying to say is for non-believers, we need to focus first and foremost first and foremost on their salvation. And for non-believers, we need to focus on the sins that continue to control them and, and not get that mixed up, right? For the unbelievers, the sin comes second, salvation first. If we get it the other way around, they might never get saved. And for the Christians, if we focus on their, their faith first and foremost, I mean, if they're already a believer, then it, it doesn't matter. They believe. And it's just a matter of using the power of God that they have to overcome that sin and, and live the life God wants. So hopefully this made some sense. <laughs> uh, this was kind of a, a outpouring of my thoughts on First John chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. Um, hopefully this made sense. Hopefully you got something out of this. If not, that's fine. Uh, you can send an email saying how much you didn't like this and how bad it was. I don't care. But seriously, though, please contact us if you have any ideas, any comments, questions, concerns. Um, I hope you got something out of this. And be sure to uh, tune in for the next podcast we do because we will have a guest and it should be very good. I'm looking forward to doing it and I'm looking forward to putting it out there for you. So thank you very much for joining and we'll see you guys in the next one.